No power of hell, no scheme of man. grateful that you chose us father we are grateful that no power of man no scheme of hell can ever pluck us from your hands father we are grateful because nothing can separate us from the love of God father we are grateful because you have engraved us on the palm of your hands father we are grateful because whether you call us home or it's the rapture father we are grateful because head or tails we are victors Father, we are grateful, we are grateful, we are grateful. What an amazing Father, what an amazing Father. Thank you for choosing us. You know, we, we had a study group yesterday and we were looking at um, Acts 7 where Stephen was stoned to death. And Stephen was talking to the high priest, he was talking to teachers of the law, he was talking to people that knew the law very well. And he started to explain what they already knew to him, to them. And, and something that struck us was that no matter what Stephen said to those guys, it wasn't going to make a difference. Their hearts were hardened. They had made up their minds. They weren't going to hear it. And yet, if you ask those guys, do you have hardened hearts towards what God is saying, what God is doing? They would probably have said no. I want you to take a minute and pray for yourself as we go into the word. And I want you to lift up your voice and say, Father, peradventure there is any bit of my heart that is hardened. Peradventure there is any part of me that feels that I already know what I know and I know what I'm going to do and I'm just going to hold on to that. Father, whether I'm aware of it or not, Father, have mercy on me today and soften my heart. Lift up your voice and say, Father, soften my heart. There was nothing Stephen could say to those guys. Their hearts were hard and they probably did not know it. Say, Father, as your word comes forth today, let your word find good ground in my heart. Let your word find good ground in my heart. Father, if I have an attitude of, I already know it, Father, help me. Help me to receive your word today with humility. Let my heart be open. Let my heart be soft. Let my heart be pliable in your hands. Let me be like that clay in the potter's hand. Father, mold me tonight, today. Father, let me have an encounter with you. Let your word cause an aha spiritual moment that would move me to my next level. You know, we were praying about, about the next level. Let's pray and say, Father, let me hear you today. The word comes, the word comes, but are we listening? Are we hearing? Are we doing anything with it? I want you to also take a few seconds and pray for those around you. Pray for your family members and say, Father, let your word find good ground in us. Let it mix with faith. Let it avail in our lives. Let it avail in our lives, Father. Holy Spirit, come and teach us yourself. 
the word that every man, every woman needs to hear from you today. Father, let us hear it. Speak to us and help us to be doers of your word. For in Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen, 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 and amen. Please be seated. Good morning, church. I just checked the time to see whether I should say good morning or good afternoon, but it's good morning. It is a good morning. Good morning, church. <laughs> Fantastic. So we thank God. We thank God. Um, heaven's going to be an amazing place. You know, as we're worshiping, you just wanted to go on and on and on and on. And by God's grace, all of us, all of us would be there in Jesus' mighty name. So over um, the last few Sundays in this month, and for me, it's amazing that we're already in September, heading towards the end of September. God has been faithful. We've been looking at different topics. Um, so we started September by looking at taking up your cross. And we were reminded of the need to take up our cross, to follow Jesus daily, to take up that cross daily. And it really flows with what we've been looking at in Sunday school as well, which is discipleship. We've been reminded that we must be willing to pay that price of discipleship. Last week, we started looking at bearing our burdens, the very important need to be there for each other, which is what we're called to do. And I, I hope and my prayer for myself and for every one of us is that as these words come to us week by week, that we actually evaluate our lives and that we actually are doers of the word. The Bible says that if we're not, that we're just deceiving ourselves. We're not deceiving God, we're deceiving ourselves. I pray that we'll be numbered among those that hear the word, look in that mirror, apply it to our lives and are doers of the word in Jesus' name. So I, last week Sunday, I wasn't actually in the building when the message happened. Um, so I listened to it on the podcast, I was with the children. And I thought I would remind us, as I was listening to you on the podcast, I made a note to myself that I remind us that we can always revisit messages um, through the church podcast channel. So if you just search for Amazing Grace Leicester, you'll find the channel. And you can also listen to them on the website as well. Um, it's important that when God speaks to us, that we revisit these things, we revisit these things, we revisit them so that we can be doers of the word. So today, by God's grace, we're going to be continuing in the same line. So, so far, we've, we've looked at things that had to do with our relationship with God. Last week, our relationship with each other. So we're continuing with looking at our relationships with each other. But a very specific um, type of relationship um, is what we're going to be looking at. So if you want to give the message a title, um, Divine Connections would be the title that you want to give it, Divine Connections. So I came across a fantastic definition of what a divine connection is. And I want to share that um, definition with you. It says divine connections are those God-breed relationships that have the potential for God to use to radically impact your life. So those God-breed relationships, those relationships that are from God, that are seemingly, sometimes they seemingly come out of nowhere and it has the potential to radically impact your life. That's a divine connection. But I also want to flip that definition and say that divine connection are also those relationships that in certain seasons of your life are God-breed and they have the potential for God to use you, for God to use me to radically impact somebody else's life. I know that we like to pray that God would send us um, destiny helpers and it's a fantastic prayer. I pray it too. But we need to also be praying that God make me a destiny helper to somebody else. Make me a destiny helper to somebody else. 
So you think about divine connections and the Bible is full of them. If it was Bible study, I would probably say that. Let's put some in the chat. The Bible is absolutely full of them. You start from Genesis all the way to Revelations and you see divine connections and we'll touch on some of them. But I wanted to talk about impact before we start to talk about divine connection so that we're on the same page. So we're saying a divine connection has that um, potential to make a radical impact positively on a person's life. But what is impact? You know, sometimes when we think about impact, we think that, oh, I'm going to start to make impact when I'm speaking into the lives of hundreds and thousands and millions, and we're waiting for God to give us that platform. And then we think that's when I'm going to make impact. But what does the Bible say impact is? How does the Bible see impact? And when you look at scripture, God sees it so differently. To God, one single life, one single person. Look at the person beside you. Look at them lovingly, though. Just look at the person beside you. If loving eyes, they can't see if you're smiling or not. So let your eyes, you know, look loving. <laughs> so that person that you've just looked at, to God, that person is priceless. Some of you might want to look again that really. <laughs> but that person is absolutely priceless. The way we see things sometimes, now imagine with me that we're the committee that's to put together a program. And this program is a really expensive program, you know, but we're going to put this program together because, you know, we want to make an impact. We want to shake Leicester. Souls have to be one. Hallelujah. Right? So we're going to have a guest minister. We're going to have guest choirs. Our choir, they've been rehearsing for six months. This program is going to be amazing. Souls are going to be one. Hallelujah. And then we get very, very reliable information that only one person is going to come for the program, right? And we can still cancel. So we're the committee, what are we gonna do? What are you guys gonna say? Let's be honest, what are you gonna say? <sighs> cancel, they'll say who's in charge of the venue. Have you paid the deposit? Can we still cancel it? One person, why? Because to us, how would we <laughs> spend all our time setting up this whole thing for one person? I had a, a very um, similar experience yesterday where at my university, we had open day. My colleague and I were there for our subject group. We know we had our presentations, everything. And it's like, where are the people? And they were all passing to go to other subject groups. In fact, we became like ushers for the other subject groups. And it was like, do we try and persuade people to enter our room, you know? And at the end of the day, you know, we spent those hours in uni. Well, I got to know my colleague more. We had um, a good chat. <laughs> One family came for our subject group. And, you know, we look at that and we think, what, what a waste of our time. But that one person, who knows the impact of spending that time with us? But we don't look at it that way, but God looks at it that way. If we open our Bibles to Luke 15, in recent times, we've been looking at Luke a lot. So Luke 15, we touched on Luke as well at the vigil. Luke 15 from verses three. It says, so Jesus told them this story. Luke 15, I'm reading from verse three. So Jesus told them this story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what would he do? Wouldn't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he would joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me because I have found my lost ship. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. I want you to pause and think about this. You know, in Revelations 4, the Bible shows us a picture of the throne room of God. 
and the throne room of God, the host of heaven are there. The 24 elders are there casting out their crown, saying, holy, 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 right? The seven creatures are there. There's this amazing worship period going on in heaven. And then suddenly one person, one eight-year-old girl repents, gives her life to Jesus. And something switches in heaven. They start to rejoice over one person. One person is priceless to God. So when we talk about impact, it's not till you're reaching the thousands and the millions and the hundreds. You reach one person and heaven is rejoicing. So when we're talking about impact and we're talking about divine connections, I want us to remember that one person is priceless. One person is priceless. We remember in Matthew 7, Matthew 7, 14, we're not going to read it, but Matthew 7, 14, it talks about how the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult. And the Bible says only a few find it. A few are important. Sometimes we see in the Bible, you look at Gideon, for instance, where he wanted to take this massive army and God said, no, too much. And God withered them down and withered them down until it looked like really going for this war, it has to be God. One person, one person matters. One person matters. I read a, a, a short write-up recently where a guy wrote and he said, if somebody said to you, and think about this for yourself, so if someone says to you, um, oh, Charles, or oh, Angela, or oh, Bingwe, um, I'm going to put a million pounds in your account. It's just yours, you know, tax-free, million pounds. He said, would you be excited? Are you guys are looking so like, uh, nah, say I don't want it. Will we be excited? I mean, absolutely, you know, we'll be screaming, thank you, Jesus, you know, moves that you've never done in praise and worship before. You start to do them before God, you know. But then he said, if that same person says to you, that million pounds is going to be in your account tomorrow morning, first thing, but you're not going to wake up anymore, but the money would be there. Would you still want that million pounds? <laughs> absolutely not. It's like, are you the devil? Why? Because your life is worth more than a million pounds. Your life is worth more than a billion pounds. Like we might not live like it is. We might not fully believe it, but it's the reality of it. Why? Genesis 1.26, we were made in God's image and likeness. Ephesians 2.10, we are God's masterpiece. That means that you and I, we are God's best, uttermost, where he's masters for a master. There's nothing greater than your masterpiece that you produce. And that person next to you, you yourself, that is who you are, priceless. And the guy wrote something else, and I'm, I'm trying to make sure that I do that. He said, when you wake up, why don't you think to yourself, I'm worth way more than a million pounds and show it in your gratitude and in the way you wake up and it's like, oh, wow, this priceless woman is awake. Try it tomorrow, okay? <laughs> awesome. So, so that's, that's how um, God looks at each of us. Matthew 10, 29 to 31. Matthew 10, 29 to 31. It says, what is the price of two sparrows? One copper coin, but not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. That's just a bird. But then he says, and the very hairs on your head are all numbered. Every single hair, every strand of hair is numbered. He says, so don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. You're incredibly valuable. The Bible says that what would it profit a man if he gains the entire world, everything in this world, it doesn't add up to a single soul. That's how important each person is. And when we think about divine connections, let's remember that. Let's remember that. So divine connections are not things that we make happen. You know, there's some things in life that we say, well, I have to make this happen. 
No, divine connections are not like that. We don't make them happen. They're divine. They come from God. But we have to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit so that we can recognize them. Now, that's where our part comes into play. We have to have eyes that see, hearts that are perceptive, a spirit that's discerning, so that we know that in this season of my life, this is somebody that I need to be connected to. It might be that in this season of my life, there's something God wants me to do in that person's life. And it might be that in this season of my life, there's something God wants to do in my life through a connection with a particular person. God orchestrates it, but we must recognize it. We must recognize it. There are people who have missed out totally on what God wants to do in their lives in certain seasons because they haven't been sensitive to the spirit, because they haven't recognized a divine connection. And there are others that have stepped into purpose just because they were able to recognize those divine connections with the right motives and heart. An example in the Bible is Ruth. We all know the story of Ruth and Naomi. When Ruth was being so kind, so loving, so gracious to her mother-in-law, she didn't know that by doing that, she was stepping into purpose. She didn't know that by doing that, she was stepping into the pages of history. She did that and she became the great grandmother of David. She did that and she became a woman in the lineage of Jesus, a foreigner, all because a divine connection, she didn't let it go. Her other sister-in-law, she turned back, she cried, but Ruth, she stuck to that divine connection and her life was never the same again. Think about another set of people in the Bible, David and Jonathan, the relationship between David and Jonathan. Jonathan was in line to be king, but Jonathan understood his place in history. And he knew that it was a God thing that David was going to be king. And Jonathan was loyal to him. Jonathan loved him. When David needed somebody to be a support to him in a certain season of his life, to be an encourager, Jonathan was there, sold out in that relationship. That is a divine connection. That is a divine connection. And for some divine connections, timing is crucial. Timing is crucial. Many things in life are time bound. There's a prayer, there's a season. Ecclesiastes 3 tells us this. And if we miss that timing and that season, there's some connections that the impact can never be brought back, cannot be brought back. So it's really important that we're sensitive, that we're sensitive. When you look at an example of where timing was really important, think about the relationship between John the Baptist and Jesus. They were cousins, right? But even more importantly, when it came to the divine, John the Baptist was the forerunner. What does a forerunner do? Run behind? No, a forerunner runs in front, right? So the timing was crucial. We see in the whole of Luke 1, and Luke 1 is a really long chapter. It has 80 verses. But we see the whole story of John the Baptist's birth. And then that Luke 1, verse 80, ends by saying, John grew up and became strong in spirit. And he lived in the wilderness until his public ministry until he began his public ministry to Israel so he grew up became strong in spirit he lived in the wilderness he was in the training ground hidden from public until he began his public ministry to Israel but when did he begin this, this public ministry when did he how did he know when it was time to launch out Luke 3 tells us Luke 3 I'm going to read from verses 1 to 4 Luke 3 verses 1 to 4 it says it was now the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius, the Roman emperor, Pontius Pilate was governor over Judea. Herod Antipas was ruler over Galilee. His brother Philip was ruler over Itura and Tarconitis. Lasanius was ruler over Abilene. 
Ananias and, Sapphira, Ananias and Sapphira were the high priest. At this time, a message from God came to John, son of Zechariah, who was living in the wilderness. He stayed where God asked him to stay. Then John went from place to place on both sides of the Jordan River, preaching that people should be baptized to show that they had repented of their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. Isaiah had spoken of John when he said, he's a voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord's coming, clear the road for him. We had a Sunday school conference a few years ago where a preacher who used this passage talked about how the Bible was so detailed to show us who was ruling here and there and there. So who were the political leaders? It shows us who were the religious leaders. It bypasses all of them. God's message did not go to them. It didn't even go to the religious leaders who you think it would. But John got a message from God and John knew because he heard from God that it was time to launch out into his public ministry. Divine connections. Are we connected to God? Are we sensitive to the spirit? What is God whispering in your ears? What is God whispering in your ears? In that verse two, we see that he heard from God and he obeyed and he obeyed. And then the Bible then goes on to tell us in that same Luke chapter three in verse 23, that now that John had started his own, Jesus could then come out and launch his public ministry. Timing was crucial. Timing was crucial. Imagine if John the Baptist had gone the way some of us do. We hear from God. Yeah, definitely. We hear from God. But we look around and we say, the timing doesn't quite work for me right now. I'm not, I seem like I'm disobeying you, God. I'm going to do it. Just not right now. Let me finish this and this and that. That would have been a major problem. What, are, what is God asking us to do? The timing is important. A disciple, like we said in Sunday school, a disciple cannot set their own agenda. If I keep setting my own agenda, if you keep setting your own agenda, we're not disciples, we're kidding ourselves. So God is calling us to be true disciples. Has God been speaking to you maybe about something that you're meant to do? But unlike John, you've been procrastinating, you've refused to launch into the deep. Today is a call to you from God to do what he's asking you to do, to do what he's asking you to do. Have you ever wondered who else the impact of your disobedience might be affecting, right? So it might not just be you that it's affecting. There might be somebody else who's just waiting for you to obey, to obey. In, in preparing for this message, you know, when you're, you're looking at a message like this and you're praying about a message like this, you think, you think about the divine connections that you've had in your life. And there are many people that came to my mind and I thought I would share this particular one. So this one, um, her name was Mrs. Kolawale and God bless her wherever she is. She wasn't a children's church teacher. We used to call it Sunday school back then. She wasn't a Sunday school teacher. I don't even think she was a worker in church. She was just a mom in church. But for some reason, and I look back now and I believe that it was an instruction from God that she obeyed. For some reason, she decided to start gathering a few of us little children. We're really little. I was maybe about 10 or 11. And she would gather us in her house. She didn't have children that were our age. Her daughter was older than us. It wasn't like her child was part of us and she was doing it because of her child. No, she just decided to do it. And she would teach us about God. Um, and so we would go there every week. We would listen. She would teach us about God, teach us about God. But the thing that stands out for me about that time when she was doing that was I think she was the first person that ever really, really taught me about the Holy Spirit. And it stirred up a hunger, a thirst in a little girl to want to know the Holy Spirit, to want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And it didn't go away until I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. That's a little girl. Because somebody, somebody decided to step into a divine connection with some young children. 
I mean, in that environment that I grew up with, we had, we had amazing things like that. We had those that were older than us. And when I say older than us, they were about 13, 14. <laughs> and they would gather us. And the adults around us, our parents encouraged us. They would gather us. We would open the Bible. We would study. We would pray together. But we looked at them and we saw people that were older than us that were loving God. And you aspired to be like that. So even as parents, let's encourage our children. You know, the Bible says that out of the mouths of babes and sucklings, God has ordained strength. You know, that strength, that message, that gift God has placed in our children, let's encourage them. Let's stir it up. Let's stir it up. Let's stir it up. Part of divine connections is the ability to recognize your allies and to connect with them. Part of divine connections is the ability to recognize your allies and connect with them. Some folks, God sends them in certain seasons, allies to help them, to support them, but they're not sensitive to the spirit and they miss them. Some parents, God has sent you allies to help you with your children, but you're not sensitive to them. And so you're isolating your children from those who should be allies. You cannot be the only person that is an, an example of Christ to your children. Your children need to see children that are slightly older than them. Your children, you need to encourage them to be role models to those that are slightly younger than them. That is how faith builds. I cannot be the only example that my son is looking at myself and my husband as Christian faith. He needs a, a shemilori. He needs an uncle okay he needs to see other people and it stirs up the fire let's be careful let's ask god to help us not to miss our allies not to miss our allies a great example when it comes to allies in the bible is seen in luke 1 so i'm looking at luke 1 quite a bit today i encourage you to read the 80 verses later on so in luke 1 verses 26 to 38 and i'm going to read it quickly it's the story of when gabriel goes to see mary Luke 1, verses 26 to 38. It says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. And we know how the dialogue goes. And then at the end, Mary, in verse 38, responds appropriately. Mary responded and said, I'm the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. But what I didn't read is in between those verses, the angel Gabriel also told her about her cousin. We're really seeing a lot of cousins today, but told her about her cousin Elizabeth, who was pregnant as well. Her cousin who everyone had called barren. The angel didn't tell Mary what to do next. The angel just gave her some information. But Mary recognized who in that season of her life was an ally. Mary was in a very precarious position because being pregnant out of wedlock then, they could stone her to death. The Bible tells us in verse 39 of that same Luke 1, a few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea, to the town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth, verse 40. So Mary, the, the angel did not say go to Elizabeth, no. But Mary was sensitive. She recognized in that season of her life who her ally was. She didn't run to Joseph. Joseph, when he heard the news, he was fighting with his issues until he had his own visitation. I mean, he was a just man who was going to put her away quietly, but he was going to put her away, <laughs> right? But her ally in that moment was Elizabeth because Elizabeth had had her own encounter. Elizabeth would understand where Mary was at. And check out the Bible. 
How long did Mary stay with Elizabeth? Three months, first trimester, the most sensitive time of her pregnancy. She was there with her ally, Elizabeth, because she recognized who her ally was. It is so key, divine connections. You must recognize your allies. Some people, God has placed allies in their lives that would move them to that next level we're praying for, but they've missed out on it. You know, we have to pray, be sensitive. And when God says, take this move, do this and then do it. Otherwise nothing happens. We have our part to play. We have our part to play. We have our part to play. And so on the other hand, you can contrast it again with another set of, of cousins in 2 Samuel 13, we're not going to read that, but in 2 Samuel 13, you see Ammon, David's son, and his cousin, Jonadab. And when I think about Jonadab, the, the word that just comes to my mind is wicked man, right? But these were cousins. Ammon felt he was really, really in love with his um, sister, Tamar. He was sick about it. And he goes to Jonadab. Now, that is what you call a devilish connection, it had a massive impact on his life, but very negatively. It cost him his life at the end of the day. My prayer for all of us, my prayer for our children, is that it is divine connections that we would hook up with in Jesus' name. That those that would throw us off destiny, get us in trouble, throw us off God's will for our lives, and those of our children, that God would keep us very far from them in the name of Jesus. So who are you supposed to be connected to? Who are you supposed to be spurring on? And these are questions you should be asking yourself and asking the Holy Spirit. Who should you be making a life, an impact in their lives right now to God's glory? Who? Timothy was raised in a godly home. The Bible tells us about his grandmother and his, his mother, Louise and Eunice. We see that in 2 Timothy 1.5. And they're commended. They did a fantastic job. But remember, and we've said this before, Timothy still needed Paul to get to that next level. So who do you, who's your Paul? Who's your Timothy, where God has put us together and God wants us to have these divine connections that are orchestrated by him. I pray that none of us would miss our divine connections in Jesus name. Samuel as a boy, we've mentioned this before as well. Samuel he, as a boy growing up in the temple and all that, growing up where the presence of God was, he still needed Eli to help him. The first time God spoke to him, Samuel could not discern the voice of God by himself. He needed Eli to help him discern that voice. And Eli, on the other hand, we all know Eli had his issues, right? With his sons and all that. So sometimes a divine connection might not look the way you expect it to look. But if it's a divine connection, you don't want to look down on it. You don't want to despise that connection. You don't want to miss that connection. You don't want to miss that connection. So we need to make sure, we need to make sure that by God's grace, these divine connections, our eyes are open, our hearts are perceptive, our spirits are discerning. Who's made the most impact in your life in various seasons? It's something to think about. Who, are, who have been your divine connections? And then flip that question. Whose lives have you made an impact on? And remember how we, we talk about impact. God wants to use you. God wants to use you. When we talk about impact, you know, and I'm, I'm thinking of tremendous impact, let's not... You know, sometimes we just get hung up on the things that we think are big things, a bit like the numbers. Little things can make an amazing difference in somebody's life. Like I said, Mrs. Kalawali gathered some children together. If you ask her who were the children she was gathering, she might not even remember. 
but it made an impact. It made an impact. The Bible says that we should not despise the days of small beginnings. So don't say, oh, what I can do, it's so little, it's not big. God can take your little and from that little make something explosive. So make sure that you're doing what God has asked you to do. Eli could have said to little Samuel when he kept coming to wake him up, that stop disturbing an old man's sleep. You don't know that grandpa needs his sleep, but he didn't. He helped that boy discern the voice of God and Samuel's ministry started another level, another level. So remember from God's perspective, one person is valuable, priceless. So those connections, that one person, that other person that God is sending you to go, go and make the impact that God wants you to make. Remember, we said that some of these things are time bound. So if we, if we waste time, if we procrastinate, we can't hold God to ransom. God would raise somebody else. I pray that in assignments God has given us, God will not raise somebody else that will not be replaced or will play our part in Jesus' name. And remember that because divine connections are time bound, sometimes these connections, the relationships of these people will evolve. Sometimes they wouldn't quite remain as they are. Don't try and hold on to the old when God is saying it's time to move on to the new. Sometimes people get offended and people feel like, oh, I've been used because the relationship, for instance, hasn't stayed the way that it was in a particular season. It could be that that connection was for that season. Let it go. You are just a vessel in God's hands. Thank God for the next level God has taken that person to and be sensitive to the others that God would send you to. And I pray that God would help us in Jesus name. Of course, some divine connections are for life but not all of them are. Remember Mary, how long did she stay with Elizabeth? Three months, she didn't stay there forever. And when she left Elizabeth, who became her ally? Joseph, God had visited Joseph by then. And Joseph became the one who would encourage her, who would support her, who was there by her side helping her. So let's be sensitive in conclusion. Let's be sensitive and obedient to the Holy Spirit. Let's recognize our divine connections in the various seasons of our lives. Let's carry our cross. Let's bear our burdens. Let's be true disciples, totally and fully yielded to the Holy Spirit. So we're going to pray. Um, but as we pray, a song is going to be playing. And I want you to pay particular attention to the lyrics of the song. So as the song just goes, please pray. Um, and then we would finish the message. Okay. It's a song that some of us might know because it's been around for a while. And of course, we'll be praying about divine connections.
before the class would start One day when you said that prayer I asked Jesus in my heart Thank you for giving to the Lord I have a life that was changed
so glad Father, we pray that you help us to go out and be your hands, your heart, your eyes, your feet to others, that you help us to recognize those divine connections, that you help us to get the timings right. Oh, Father, we pray that at the end of time, even like we've listened, that that would be our testimonies to your glory. For in Jesus' name we've prayed. Amen. 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 God bless you.